Hello, mamas, and thank you for tuning in to this week's Mommy Influencer Podcast. This week, we're going to do things a little bit differently because my friend Tamana Rashan came on the podcast, and she is the beauty and brains behind the Dress Your Face Empire. And she has over 2.5 million followers, you guys. But more than that, she has set herself up for success both on and off social media, and she pours her knowledge about this into the entire episode. So instead of a mini this week, I'm actually going to split Tamana's interview into two parts. So today we'll play part one, where we really dive into how she grew a, t- a following of 2.5 million, how she manages that 2.5 million, and how she even has an Instagram page for her daughter who has over 130,000 followers with huge engagement. But more importantly, she tells a really beautiful personal story as well as shares tips for success when growing a brand and business. And then on Thursday, instead of the MIP Mini, I'm going to share part two of Tamana's interview because she shares a really honest view of a controversial time in her life and in her following. And I think it's a really unique story. I love her honesty. I love how she draws the beauty of motherhood and how being a mom has changed her outlook and how she responds um, in this space and and how she uses that to grow her brand in a little bit of a different way now. So I hope you guys enjoy this two-part podcast. You're listening to the Mommy Influencer Podcast, where we dive into motherhood social media marketing and hear from inspiring mommy influencers, brands, and industry experts to bring you the inside knowledge, tools, and strategies to grow your influence in business through purposeful online content creation. I'm your host, Christy Keen, and I'm a Navy veteran and registered nurse turned stay-at-home mom turned full-time motherhood influencer on track to be a six-figure earner this year through social media marketing alone. So come in and cozy up, mamas, and get ready to take your influence to the next level. Hey, mamas. I am so excited to have Tamana Rashan on the podcast today. Tamana is the makeup artist and influencer behind the 2.5 million strong Instagram Dress Your Face and the global beauty educator between behind Dress Your Face Live. She is a mama to an adorable two-year-old named Alia who already has a bustling social media career of her own with over 130,000 followers. Tamana, thank you so much. I can't wait to dive into how you do it all because <laughs> my mind is just blown to even see how you can manage all that you do. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. This is so exciting. I'm so honored you would take the time to come on here today. I know you are busy. Oh my God. Not too busy for this. Oh, thank you. So why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do if they don't already know, which I'm sure they have seen you through social media (laughs) and all that you do. Well, um, I am an international beauty educator. I have traveled the world with my sold out master classes and I've taught both professionals and beginners and, you know, just the everyday woman who wants to get better at their own makeup um, in these shows. And I also certify people at my studio um, for, you know, with a certificate of training to become full on professionals and obtain, you know, pro discounts with huge brands that are partnering with me, um, to offer them support. So, um, that's kind of how I, I began my online career was really through showcasing my artwork and teaching and being very open with the audience, um, about the techniques and not really hiding anything. And, um, other than that, I feel like the other half of my followers know me more as the mother that I am, um, or the wife that I am or the daughter that I am and like my personal side. So I try to mix both, um, for everyone to see. And it's just been a crazy, crazy ride. Uh, I started, I, I would call myself a veteran, I started like in the dawn of social media um, back it, on like MySpace and then moved on to Facebook. Oh and gosh, now here MySpace. we are on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Oh my gosh. I met my husband on MySpace. That was about oh all it was gosh. good for for me, <laughs> which I guess is a really good thing. That's a but... huge thing. That's yeah. good. <laughs> it's crazy that you had the foresight that long ago to know that social media was something that you could use to build a brand and a business because Mm -hmm. I think that 
is something most people weren't even thinking about at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And for us, though, like as artists, we have content to share and it's beautiful content to share and very inspiring. Even if someone doesn't know how to do makeup, they can still appreciate the beauty of your artwork. And I think that's what kind of gave me an edge um, because I use social media basically not even to really grow my business first. It was more to showcase my work to have an online portfolio. Basically, that's all I treated it as. Once I saw that start to gain momentum and, you know, more followers trying to follow me because of that, um, then I realized that there was a huge potential in creating something bigger than what already was. Wow. Yeah, that's, and obviously it just blew up, (laughs) which is so amazing. (laughs) Did you always want to be a makeup artist? Um, I've always been really, really good with like arts and crafts and drawing and sketching and things like that. I actually originally wanted to be a fashion designer and I didn't even get into that until now, like, you know, 15, 20 years later. Um, but I, I went to school to, um, study astronomy. It's totally, (laughs) totally something different. (laughs) I know. Um, I'm obsessed with astronomy. I'm obsessed with evolution. I'm obsessed with, you know, physical sciences and, um, and that's what I went to school for. But, um, you know, my, my parents actually, this is a really, really interesting story because like I'm South Asian, um, I'm half Afghan, half Indian and both, you know, the typical families of both sides, want their children who, you know, they've, they've come to the U S for these huge opportunities for their kids. They want their kids to be academically very advanced. They want their kids to go the whole nine yards in school, either become a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. Like those are the three choices for my family. We we're all very artsy. So I have singers, poets, and writers and, you know, painters in my family and journalists and all that. And they were very encouraging um, in the arts for me. And they knew that I loved the sciences and, you know, they encouraged that too. But at the same time, they knew the type of lifestyle that I wanted to live. They knew that I had very, very high ambitions and, you know, I wanted a lot out of life and I wanted to be very comfortable and um, I was good at art. And at one point while I was going to college, I was taking full-time uh, uh, units in, uh, in my university and I was working three jobs just to pay for it because I wasn't getting oh financial goodness. assistance. And one day my grandparents and my parents had an intervention on me. They sat me down and they were like, look, you are spreading yourself so thin just to pay for school. You're so good at art. You're so good at makeup. You're so good at hair. Why don't you just take a year off of school and get your vocational license, you know, a, a California state cosmetology license. So you can begin a business, start up a business, let that pay for your school. So you're not just doing random jobs that you don't even love and you're working towards a career and going to school and you actually get to come home and see us sometimes. (laughs) And I was like, you know, yeah, right. They're very ahead of their time too. My family is just very open And, um, and I felt like, you know, I think that's such a good idea. I never thought of having hair and makeup become an actual career. I never really, I thought of it as a hobby, you know, and especially back then we're talking about like late nineties, early two thousands. It wasn't a very glamorized, uh, field at that time. And again, this is like right in the beginning of social media, social media at that time was really for kids to, to stay in touch, like in school and stuff like uh, Facebook was for college students at the time and oh, you yeah, know, all I remember. that. <laughs> it was so different, right? So um, I did that. I, I took a year off of college to go get my license and I ended up completely falling in love with the industry even more. The catch was that I had to go back to college after to complete my bachelor's um, and I ended up changing my major to marketing. And that's what I feel kind of helped me create a broader, um, you know, I guess, field for me to just be able to use the skills that I'm learning in school and also use this, the uh, knowledge that I already learned in the real world, working in the real world and apply that to school. So it was kind of like a two-way thing for me and it worked out really, really well. Um, and that's kind of how 
it all got started when it came to like my interest in, in, you know, arts versus sciences and, and what I've always wanted to be versus like what I ended up being. A lot of it was due to my family's, you know, undying support and very open-minded, um, you know, thinking that allowed me to land where I did. Yeah, I was going to say it's so amazing just that forward thinking that they do have and that support just because it shows I don't everything you do you're so happy with what you do you can tell mm-hmm. there's no resentment there mm-hmm. and it's just something that I know that you're passing down to your daughter as well because of how you were raised and I think that's so amazing and Thank I love you. that you changed to marketing because it just made everything so much more well-rounded if you're taking the time to put that money into your education to make it something that would work with your beauty and now you're you basically you have your own beauty school which is crazy to me it's amazing (laughs) thank you that that was just you know I I never thought that was gonna happen and again like even being in the beauty industry wasn't something I thought that was that serious um but Once I got that fan following and that demand to, instead of just teach individually like I had been doing, um, I have a lot of global viewers and people who are not able to fly out to LA to learn from me directly. And a lot of people were like, can you just teach through Skype or can you just teach through, you know, some sort of webcam? And I never liked that because... For me, everything had to be top quality. If I'm going to do anything, it needs to be perfect. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it. And I just kept brushing it off, kept brushing it off. But my husband and I were like, we have to figure out a way to reach the globe um, with your classes. You know, we we have to figure this out. So um, after I moved to L.A., I was living in the Bay Area, always a California girl. Um, and I met with uh, my business partner now, and he created a website that I would own and be able to live stream classes and have, you know, recorded classes up as a membership based subscription model where students would join as members and have this long-term relationship with me where there's no start and end to the school. There's no like formal course line it's ongoing education at an extremely affordable rate. And that was another thing that I was really passionate about. A lot of students have the drive, they have the passion, they have the talent, but they may not have the money to do it and to get the knowledge that they're seeking. And I wanted something that was not only easily accessible, but easily affordable. And that's mm-hmm. where dressyourfacelive.com, you know, stemmed from and became not only the first live makeup and hair tutorial site, but the number one most subscribed to live hair and makeup tutorial site in the world. And what year was that? Because I feel like you have been ahead of the curve on everything. (laughs) (laughs) That was six years ago. So 2013. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's because you I feel like people are just starting to feel more comfortable with live Mm -hmm. and to realize the value of it. But you were pioneering this before people even had their Instagram started. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's been so long. It's insane. And so when did you hop over to Instagram and start growing your following? Because I know getting to talk to somebody with the amount of followers you have, which is 2.5 million followers, (laughs) is something that not a lot of people get to do every day. So I'd love to know, like, when you hopped over to Instagram and kind of how you saw that happen for you. So that was kind of also like a very random thing. I was, um, I thought I was doing pretty well on Facebook. I had migrated all my followers from MySpace over to Facebook and I kind of dropped my MySpace by then. And Facebook was just really good to me with booking clients. And I was able to quit my full-time job by then and just focus on my, you know, beauty work. Um, and I was doing hair color and cuts and all that stuff. Monday through Friday and uh, or Monday through Thursday and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I was doing weddings and the only place I would advertise was Facebook. And so once Instagram kind of popped up and started, I assumed Instagram was just an app to edit photos because the filters and stuff. And it was just really fun for me to to use that as a photo editing app. So what I would do is I would edit the photos on Instagram and then post it on um, Facebook and I'd create little collages and have fun with it. 
And then my, my husband's niece one day was like, why can't you like actually open a, an, a business account on Instagram and like use it to show your work? There's so many people on Instagram now you can get followers like crazy. And I thought about it and I'm like, gosh, another social media channel for me to, you know, have to pour content into, like, I feel like that's a lot. But then I thought about it and I'm like, okay, how about Facebook being like my main, my main platform and Instagram, I can show more behind the scenes and more like personal stuff. Or, um, you know, if I'm doing a bride, maybe some BTS, if someone can take a little something of, of me working on her or whatever, where Facebook was just like the final product. Um, so I tried to separate it that way. So at least people had a reason to follow me on both. And, um, the first day that I announced that I had an Instagram, I, I want to say I grew to 5,000 followers, like the, the day that I had joined. And it was, it was really shocking to me because I didn't grow that fast on Facebook. It had taken a while for me to grow. Um, even by migrating all my, my space followers, it still took some time, but Instagram just caught on so fast. And at that time, I don't know if you remember, but remember how the popular page was truly the popular page. It was the same for everybody who would log in. So it was, yeah. yeah. So on a day that I would wind up on the popular page, I would gain 20,000 followers or 10,000 followers in one day. It was so good at that time for members who had good content to really be discovered. And people were not following a whole lot of people at the time because it was still relatively new. So people were more willing to press the follow button, more willing to press the like button, more willing to comment and to engage. Um, And things were really good at that time. I mean, I'm not saying things aren't good now, but things are much more different now. And I feel like for someone listening to this podcast and wondering, oh my gosh, like how do I even begin? Um, Things are harder now. And I'm going to be very, very frank. It's a million times harder now to start and grow on Instagram than it was when I first started, you know, as a veteran, as someone who came in right in the beginning of the growth of Instagram, everything was so organically done and so easily done. Now, a lot of pages are buying followers and they're, you know, doing things that are kind of messing up a lot for everyone else. You know, Instagram goes through these sweeps where they just remove a ton of followers. And I've never in my life purchased a follower ever. And I never will. But there's a lot of followers that are like dormant, right? They just, they create Mm -hmm. accounts to follow people and then they just never use it. And then all those accounts get deleted because of the bots that Instagram has discovered. And so all these other accounts go away. So whenever there's a sweep, I'm like losing you know, a a crap load of followers at a time. And the more you have, the more dead accounts you have too. So like with all the changes that Instagram had, especially once Facebook purchased them several years back, um, we've seen such a crazy, you know, rise and fall kind of a pattern with Instagram. So it's been kind of hard, but I mean, I do have some tips that we can go into later. (laughs) Yeah, Um, for sure. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of how I started on Instagram and everything was just so, so good. You know, other shout out pages would shout us out and we'd gain, you know, several thousand followers from that. But I feel like mainly it was that, you know, popular page and really shout, you know, throwing out content that was meaningful for me to stand out. And I feel like this is another huge tip for, you know, everyone who's like looking to grow is to not just push out pretty content, it's to add meaning to it and purpose. So for me, it wasn't just showing off my artwork, it's also sharing the products that I use to get those looks and how and where to apply those products and where to find these products and can you get a discount on these products. So it was just every single post packed so much information in the caption that it made people have another reason to come back to my page because they weren't just seeking inspiration at that point. They were also seeking actual knowledge. Um, and that definitely gave me an edge in this world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about this podcast, because so often people are just you're just distracted by everything Instagram throws at you, which is like me, 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 me. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's when you start pouring into your followers and finding out what you can uh, help them with or what you can 
inspire them to do is when it really makes a difference. And you have just been pouring free content into your followers since day one on MySpace, just even doing any behind the scenes looks when that was unheard of back Mm -hmm. then. So it's no surprise at all to me that you grew that fast. And I'm so glad you brought up that popular page because I always ask people that question, how they grew their first 10,000 followers. Mm-hmm. And I think that they forget about that page. Like, it just seems like so long ago it that does. Instagram used to do that. Yeah. That I don't even know a lot of people who are listening even maybe remember that because that was like 2012, 2013, 14, that time frame. Yeah, yeah. And It was really early on. Yeah, and now, I mean, I feel like I see the same all the pictures on my Explorer page look exactly the same now. So I wouldn't even. Same. I We're not exposed to, to anything like, new. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can't like stand that. that. I, I get it. I get it that like Instagram wants to give you content that they think that you'll appreciate. But what sucks is like for new businesses and for new people that are coming on, they're not given that um, exposure, you know, and, and it's so hard to figure out what is it that makes it to that explore page. And, um, but one thing I really, really appreciate is the insights now when you can see, you know, which posts do well on explore, which posts didn't make it on explore, which posts, you know, like, where do you get your views from and stuff like that. And I think that's pretty um, eye-opening because I was able to figure out, okay, like these posts did it, these posts didn't. Um, and if I could find some sort of pattern there, then that could help me formulate my next post. And I think what's really great about what you do and what must make people click on your page when they're on the explore page is that you're not cookie cutter like everybody else. I think all of your looks are really exotic, which I'm sure draws in a lot of people, but also you do a lot of video content. And mm-hmm. I know that's probably the only thing that stops my scroll right now if I'm going through Explore. Because <laughs> otherwise, it looks like, I mean, seriously, I should screenshot my Explore page. It looks like just one person's Instagram. Every filter oh is the same. It's, oh, that's hilarious. Every is about the same. You know, <laughs> nothing sticking out. And what you do is so beautiful and exotic. And Thank again, you. like content rich and so much video that it really sticks out right away. So I'm sure that's really helpful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it kind of forces you to, you know, as a beauty creator to um, keep thinking outside the box and keep creating and, and keep um, changing the the look, you know, instead of doing the same thing over and over. But the the other side of it is when you realize that there's a certain look that gets the most likes every time. And it's always like that. Like for me, at one point it was like this cut crease, this look that I did where the crease is very sharp and the lid is very light. And, um, it's just, it's a very, very bold statement. eye. and every time I did that particular, eye, I would get like right off the bat, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 likes. Anytime I did a softer look, even if I really liked that softer look or whatever other look, I would maybe get 10,000 likes. So not even like, a you know, a third of what I would normally get. And so what what's hard is you want to create something new and fresh so it stands out. But at the same time, when you're basically being encouraged to keep posting the same kind of content over and over so you can keep maintaining those likes, it's kind of hard depend and you really have to kind of like reach into your gut and ask yourself like what's more important to you creating something different or getting high likes yeah sometimes it's not the same thing sometimes it's not the same answer and that's okay and I've at this point in this year I finally realized that you know what it really is okay. It's okay that I have 2.5 million um, followers and that one of my pictures is only getting 10K likes. It's okay because I'm happy with that picture and it makes my feed look beautiful and I'm proud of what I did in that photo. So I'm keeping it up and that's that. Amen. Yeah. And I feel like I'm so glad you addressed that too, because that's something we're all, no matter what size your account is right now, we're all struggling with that. And yeah. I mean, you just you have, if you, as long as you feel proud of what you do, like you mentioned and have purpose behind what you're doing, 
then you can't go wrong. And if somebody didn't like that or didn't follow you because of it, whatever the case may be, those weren't your people anyhow. Mm-hmm. So, and how do you, how the heck do you manage two and a half million followers? Because I just, I can't, I mean, I have a very small fraction of that and I always feel behind. I feel like you've always been so great at engaging with people and I'd love for you to just pull the curtain back a little <laughs> bit about how the heck that, that goes down. Do you have a team or is this all you or it's how does that work? It's just me. It's just me. I, I have trust issues, so I don't let anyone have my passwords to anything or access to anything. So when it comes to my social media, my email, my everything, it's just me. The only other person that has access is actually my husband. And he does keep me on top of like important DMs. If there's something really um, big that I might be missing, because I don't really check my DMs. Usually it's not me going through the DMs. It's my husband just not even responding, just looking and letting me know, hey, babe, this this account is reaching out to you because of this. You might want to check it or whatever. Um, But other than that, when it comes to like me responding, me, you know, following, unfollowing, commenting, whatever, that's all me. Um, And the thing is, I don't I it's so easy to get overwhelmed, right? Like it's so easy to to look at these numbers and be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, this is so much work. This is like, oh, my gosh, I have to respond to 100 comments now and I have to do this, whatever. But I, I almost never look at the numbers. I just I can't because I will get overwhelmed. I just kind of go through waves during the day where I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go ahead and like respond to some comments now. And sometimes I'm really quick with it with like just cute emojis um, and reactions to, to comments. And sometimes I'll dive in and like write full on responses. It depends on my mood. And I really, again, everything is so, it has to be from the heart for me. It has to be super organic for me. So if I feel like I'm in the mood to really, really engage, then I'll hide out for about an hour while my husband's with my daughter and I'll just get in and, and really talk and really have a good time with my girls. And, um, you know, there's other times where I'm on the go and I'm just kind of responding with some cute emojis to make them feel like, yeah, they're, they're listened to, they're heard. I try to read every single comment and it doesn't really get out of hand. There are some times where I'll get over a thousand comments or a few thousand comments and I just, I can't go through all of them. Um, but one cool thing that Instagram did now is they filter the top comments. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, comments that they think that you would appreciate from people who, you know, or larger accounts or whatever it is. So at least I can go through those first. And then as I find time, I can kind of look at the rest of them and, and monitor and, um, see if there's any urgent questions that I can answer and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I do set aside a little bit of time daily to, to have fun with my followers. And I don't think of it as work. I really, really try not to. Obviously, this is like a, another full-time job being on social media, but I, I just hate thinking of it like that. Because for me, it's, you know, I'm asking for it. I'm sharing my life. I'm sharing my content. I'm seeking these type of followers to engage with me. And the least I can do is appreciate it back and create a stronger bond with these people because in turn they'll stay on longer they'll they'll have a better relationship with me and be more engaging and i've noticed that ever since i became more engaging with them they've become more engaging with me it's a two way relationship you know you can't just like pump out content and then leave it be yeah okay first of all my mind is so blown right now <laughs> because <laughs> i just i I just would have assumed that maybe you had help or something to do 2.5 million followers just to handle that. And so now I, I mean, I'm so much more impressed with you than I could ever imagine (laughs) because that is a lot and it's, you do such a great job. And what I think makes sense now is that when you look at your page, like you're, there's such a personal story behind it. And it's something that I guess, you know, an assistant or something like that couldn't bring that feel into your business like you can so now it makes sense like it's you like it's it's me it's so me (laughs) I know and I'm so I'm so glad that your uh, followers can hear that and have that confidence too which I'm sure they suspect that but you know you just never know when you see those big accounts yeah Yeah. so that's amazing Um, and then your daughter's engagement on her page is like huge (laughs) like she's got such what you do with her followers are like just so smitten by her and the type of engagement she gets is very similar to the type of engagement I have and but we're looking at two very different following numbers like I have 2.5 million and I'm getting about the same engagement as a 130,000 account 
Um, like she, insane. yeah, you, she, she's <laughs> killing it over there. You're she doing an incredible it. job with her. And I think it's neat just that you're, you're setting her up. It's not just like, I mean, you're setting her up for like business savvy tools right now. She mm-hmm. has her own line, right? Mm-hmm. Tell me so more about she... that. Like, page because, and I just love it so much. I should have done something like that with Charlie. Just she. Oh, well, it's not too late. (laughs) It's not too late. So when I was um, pregnant, um, the whole story behind my pregnancy was just very, very emotional. Um, I know a lot of people don't really know too much about it because, I mean, you know, granted, this was three years ago, but um, it we had been trying for so long. We lost um, a twin pregnancy and I lost my grandmother the same month. Um, so everything was kind of back to back. It was a painful, painful period of time. Um, and my grandmother, you know, we all, we all lose the rocks of our family eventually for me and my grandma, it was, um, really, really hard because she, I was raised, um, without siblings. I, I don't really, I don't have any siblings. I have like cousins that lived with us for a while, but it was just me, my mom, my dad, and my grandparents and my aunt. So I had like five parents that were equally um, important um, in the upbringing of my life, you know. And my grandmother and I just had this very, very different relationship. She was my soulmate. And um, we were always just, we just had this understanding of each other. And she fought for me everything that I wanted, everything, because she got nothing growing up. Um she was always sacrificing for her brothers and for me growing up, she didn't want me to sacrifice anything, anything I wanted, whether it was, um, you know, a tattoo, for example, she hated those. She hated tattoos, but she was like, you want it, you go get it. You do it. You do what you want to do. Don't ever let anyone tell, you no. Just don't make it ugly. <laughs> and, Aww. And she so sounds that was so kind. sweet. I love she's her. She's a sweetheart. And our relationship was just a beautiful relationship. And with her being gone, I mean, before she even left, she all she wanted from me was a great-granddaughter. She wanted to be a great-grandma so bad. And I'm her oldest granddaughter or oldest grandchild. Um, and I was basically her only hope to be a great grandma. And I had been married for seven years with no children. And it was kind of like time. And I, I knew that it was time, but at the same time, I was just not hundred percent ready. Um, and I don't think anyone really ever is, but, um, when my grandmother was getting sicker, she had asked me to have, you know, to think about having a baby for, for her. And I was like, you know what, maybe this will save her, you know, maybe me getting pregnant will help her have more of a reason to fight for her life and, and stay with us, you know? So I was very selfish with, you know, reasoning. And, um, you know, I talked to my husband, he was always on board to having a kid. He was like born to be a dad. Um, one of the biggest reasons I married him, I knew that I, I'm not a mother. And you know, this is another funny thing that I wanted to talk to you about is I've, I never really even wanted kids. I never even wanted to get married. I'm a very career person. That's all I wanted was a career. I did not, I'm not, I was never a family person. I loved my family and whatever, but like, I never wanted a family of my own until I married my husband. And, um, and he comes from a big family and he's so amazing with children, with his parents, with his sisters and brothers. And, um, you know, when you marry someone in your culture, he's Afghan, I'm half Afghan. And when you marry someone in that culture, you kind of automatically know, okay, you better have kids eventually. (laughs) Um, So I kind of understood that, right. But when my grandmother was not doing so well, that's when I was like, babe, you know, I think this is a good time for us to start trying because, you know, she's not doing any better. And I know that you've been ready. Like, I'm finally saying, okay, let's do this. We tried and tried and you know, what's so sad is, you know, we got pregnant while my grandmother was alive, but then we had lost that pregnancy. And that was so hard because she was slipping in front of us. And I really thought I could save her with that pregnancy. And a month later she was gone. And all my followers, by the way, this is why I'm even telling you this story. I shared all this with everyone. I didn't share the miscarriage. Um, It was too painful. I couldn't share it until after I got pregnant again. 
um, that was with Alia. Um, but after the miscarriage, so a month later, I lost my grandmother. And what's really insane is the timing. And this is where I'm like, you know what? When everything happened with my grandmother and with the pregnancy loss, something snapped in me and I'm like, oh my God, like it had to happen this way for my grandmother to be involved and to be directly associated with and connected to my future child. And what I found out was when my grandmother passed away, became pregnant with Alia and it was just a very crazy timing and I'm not here to suggest that this is reincarnation that's I'm not saying that I'm saying that the timing is such that I knew that my grandmother had a huge part in this divine timing oh my gosh I have chills right and I still get goosebumps every time I talk about it I asked my grandmother on her deathbed in the hospital I asked her to never leave me and everything I've ever asked her for has always been answered she has never said no like I told you she's never denied me of anything she's always always given me the go-ahead and and said you know yes 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 so this last last wish for her to just stay with me whatever form it be in just for her to stay with me and at that very moment I knew it, it, it had already been answered and I came out of that hospital. I looked at my husband. And I'm like, I'm pregnant. And he's like, Shut you are crazy. Up. And oh we had gosh. only tried once. It was a one-time thing after that miscarriage. And and it had been a month. So it was like right then and there, basically, like just days before. And oh my gosh. he was like, you're crazy, Tam. Stop. Like, you're crazy. And, you know, just, just, you know, you're going through whatever you're going through. I'm here for you, whatever. Like, but he didn't really believe it. And I refused to go to the hospital. I'm like, I'm not going. I already know. And I refused to get a pregnancy test. I refused everything. And he's like, just go to the hospital. I'm like, no, no, no. And finally, um, I want to say like a good several weeks later, he forced me to go to the hospital. And lo and behold, I had this little bean with already with arms and legs. Oh my goodness. Little heartbeat. And I'm like, I knew it. This is real. This is really happening. And it was crazy. It was crazy. Like, obviously I had taken the test before going to the hospital for him. Um, But I, I knew that I knew from that moment. And that's when, you know, once I, this, I, once I announced my pregnancy, this was three months later. So on my grandmother's three month, um, you know, uh, a death anniversary, we, um, you know, spread her ashes. And I wrote a post about that on Instagram. And Instagram has always been like my extended family. So throughout all of these, you know, hard periods in my life, I've always shared them. Um, Like I said, just the miscarriage, I didn't share because it was just too personal. And I was still kind of, you know, heartbroken. But um, with my grandmother's loss, obviously, they were a part of that. They loved my grandmother. They saw her on Snapchat every day. Um, I moved her to live close to me so I could be with her her last months. And um, so and so when this pregnancy was finally announced, everybody connected the two, everybody. And mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I need a a journal of this. I need to always, always remember how much support I have from people I don't even know, from people who have, you know, I've shared my life with and who have shared so much support with me, I thought it would be a great idea to open up an account for, you know, this future baby um, as a way for me to journal everything, to journal my feelings and to journal it almost in her, um, through her eyes, you know, to give her a, a personality and to give her an online life too. Because my entire life was online. And so once people made that connection, oh, my God, you know, your grandmother blessed you, you know, um, I felt really good about that. And, you know, later in my pregnancy, I went ahead and opened up her account. And it just became this cutie pie little journal of her progression in my belly. And then once she was born, it just became something else, <laughs> Christy. Oh I, my God. Well, I'm sure everybody I, <laughs> felt so connected with her on such another they, level from like exactly the start. What it was. Yeah. 
that's exactly what it was. And it wasn't just another account of another kid. It was a whole story that they were invested in. It was a whole story that we were all so deeply involved in that made them love her before they even met her. So imagine once they met her, how much love poured from their hearts. And people were writing me saying, oh, my God, when you posted her first photo, we showed our entire family. We had a party. We did this. We did that. And they're sending me videos of their celebration for my baby's birth. And I'm like, are you joking? This is real. Like people care so deeply because of all the hardships we've gone through and how we've shared it and how everything happened for such a beautiful reason. And, you know, everything just comes together in the end, no matter how hard the road is to get there and how hard the road's going to be even after that sweet little reward. There's still these, these moments that make everything so worth it. And for me to be able to document that and to one day show her, look at what happened, baby girl, and look at what these people are saying from your birth. What Look at how everyone just adores you. And I, I cannot wait to one day share that with her and have her understand that. Oh, that is so beautiful. And that is such a beautiful story. <laughs> I had not, I had not known that. And that, oh my God, like I said, I have chills. That's so beautiful. And yeah, that... it's, it's wild. It's sometimes I, I look back and I'm like, oh my God, did, is this real? Like, Am I really her mommy? Did this really happen? She is so cute. Oh my gosh, I can't stand it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, she's she's a little firecracker though. She's a wild one. Very much a rebel. Oh girl, wait for three. <laughs> it's the next level. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. We're feeling a little bit of it now and we're like, okay, maybe baby number two is not happening right now. <laughs> yeah, it's... uh. It's how definitely... do you do it? I want to know how you do it because you now are pregnant with number three. So you're really about to have your hands triple full. Yeah. You know what? I don't know. I'm struggling. <laughs> <laughs> I just am like, you do it. You just do what you have to do. Oh. And it's going to be an interesting year, but I'm so excited. Like I just, I've always wanted a boy. I've always wanted three. Amazing. Amazing. And you know, I've, you just figure out a way to make it work. Like, I mean, obviously look at you, all that you're doing and being a mama. And I don't, I don't know how you manage that, but you are doing a beautiful job. Thank you. And I want to switch gears real fast. Um, cause I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I, I'm super impressed with how <laughs> like you run a business outside of social media as mm-hmm. well. And even for Alia, like you're creating business opportunities that aren't just through posting a picture on social media. So I think I would love to just hear more real fast about your money mindset and how listeners can set themselves up for success on and off social media. Because Mm -hmm. as much as that, you know, getting a like on a picture or comments on a picture is matter, you have built a beauty empire from the ground up. Like you have physical products, you have a beauty school. It is, you know, so much bigger than anything just whatever hot social media platform can do. And I think understanding that is such a huge thing because we need to remember that whatever it is that we have right now in tech, so like social media and all this, it's not forever. MySpace wasn't forever. Facebook is still going on. Shockingly, I'm, I'm actually surprised that it's still, you know, really strong. Um, but, you know, Instagram has changed and We've seen that change and it's kind of made a lot of us very scared about what more changes are to come. So understanding that nothing online is permanent like that when it comes to, you know, uh, being an influencer, you know, you could be an influencer today, but tomorrow the, the whole thing may go away. Um, it's really important as an influencer, as someone who's building a business to Create something tangible that can survive outside of social media, that can survive, you know, via e-commerce and, you know, whatever else, you know, more traditional stores or whatever you want to do. So for us, you know, I started my life off social media because of, you know, how old I am Stop. <laughs> and, <laughs> and when everything began, um, so, you know, so I had actual clients I had, you know, I was already certifying people. I already had, you know, my career kind of going for me. And then social media was my way of catapulting it to, you know, a more global level, more reach. And, you know, that helped me create 
the you know dressyourfacelive.com brand um, so that I could have an actual business that can sustain not just my life but you know my my entire family. I think it's very very important you know to create a business and to understand you know what your goals are. Like my goals specifically were you know to to not only follow my passion and to have fun doing what I wanted to do and and my ultimate goal was to quit the jobs that I had so that I could use my my hobby to fuel my career and to make me money but it was also to create a business that can make me enough money where my entire family could be taken care of and that I would be okay and not have to worry at all I just didn't want to worry anymore and I feel like money is one of those things that creates so many problems in people's lives because of the lack of and you know it can create a lot of problems in marriages and it can create a lot of problems just you know in your household and it's Unfortunately, so many of us are always struggling and so many of us can't even get out of that struggle phase. And there's not like one secret, um, you know, uh, go to list of rules that can help you achieve success. There's no cheat sheet, but there are certain things that I did that really helped me. And that was, you know, number one, create a need. So like for for the beauty industry, it was quite easy. All of us want to look and feel our best. Beauty is always one of those things that even during the Great Depression, it was still booming. It's not one of the businesses that went under. It will never go under, ever. Trends will change, styles will change, but beauty will always remain a very, very strong industry. So me being in that industry was already kind of a leg up, knowing that, okay, I'll be taken care of if I just stay within this industry. And that's the industry that I was passionate about. And I realized I was really good at. So we have that need already there for me to stand out in this. And I'm just using me as an example um, for me to stand out in this industry. I had to offer something that not a lot of people were offering. So for me, it was education. At that time, it was free education. I was not on YouTube. But I was offering free education on Instagram itself with pictorials, with video tutorials, with tips and tricks and write-ups and things like that. Um, Once I founded DressYourFaceLive.com, it became, you know, massive amounts of information and actual like mini masterclasses in the privacy of your own home for 19 bucks a month. Very, very affordable and, Mm -hmm. you know, all that. So I created something that people could really appreciate and use, especially seeing that the beauty industry and, and the education, the beauty education industry was growing. I needed to figure out a way to get ahead of that and to do something that's more meaningful in that, not just open up a school where people have to move here and enroll and pay thousands of dollars in tuition. I just wanted a way for people to grow their skill without having to do all that, without having to sacrifice so much. And I packed in, you know, 10, 15 years of my actual experience in the industry into each of my two hour classes. And so each class, even if someone came in and saw one class, they're learning 10, 15 years worth of knowledge in that one class. And it's not to the point where it's overwhelming. I teach in a way that's very, very broken up and, and easy to follow. And so that's like, I knew what my strength was. I knew that I could teach in a way that is retainable. And I used that to build a business that was really, really strong. And same with products. Like when I do collaborations and things, I listen to what my viewers want, what they need, and even what I need. I'm in the industry. I'm constantly looking for products that fit my needs. And if I can't find something that fits my needs, I'll try to create it myself. And the way I'm able to communicate it and, and showcase that product, people understand the importance of that product and they end up buying it not because I'm telling them like oh here blindly buy it it's because they have that trust in me because I know what I'm talking about and I don't use things that don't work for me or you know that I wouldn't just use in real life anyways so having that kind of relationship with your audience that true very very um, honest relationship with your audience is very important too why would I spend my money in your business buying your product or subscribing to your, you know, whatever. Um, if I don't even know if you're being truthful, if you're mm-hmm. just a hoax or if you're just trying to create a business to make money and not 
have a purpose or not have my best interest at heart, why would I spend my money in your business? So that's the second thing that I wanted to touch on is making sure that whatever business you do come up with or that you're, you know, you're wanting to grow has a major purpose and you're very organically showcasing it. You know, it can't just look like an infomercial all the time. I feel like for me personally, and I feel like this is, um, a, you know, true for a lot of people nowadays, especially people who are awoke in this world, mm-hmm. um, you know, people, if they see who you are behind the business and if they appreciate who you are and understand your story, they will invest in your business that much more. If I just come across a business um, and I don't know too much about the start of the business or the story of the business, um, who's to say I'm not going to find a similar product somewhere else and you know not buy that one? There's going to be no difference between your brand and someone else's brand or the other brand if I don't know what makes your brand unique. And what makes brands unique is the individual story behind it. Who made this brand? Who are you as a person? And and why did you create this brand? And what are you going to do to you know better the world that is using your brand? So I'm very much um, open in my life because I feel that the more people get to know me and understand why I am the way I am and why I do the things I do, I feel like that makes people trust me more and understand that I'm in it for them and they feel so much more confident when purchasing something that I'm endorsing or that I've created or collaborated on or, you know, something of my own. So I feel like those are the two like biggest ways to, to create a business that actually will matter. Social media is one of those things that helps you so much, especially when you're creating an identity, your social media page is essentially a reflection of you, who you are, who your brand is. Uh, But even outside of social media, when you create a brand that is meeting a need of a great audience, you will survive even if social media doesn't, you know, you'll, you'll create this dent, this, um, you know, strong, strong identity. And I feel like even, you know, if tomorrow, God forbid, Instagram goes under or is, you know, locked down for the next year or whatever (laughs) possibilities are, (laughs) I feel like people are still going to be, they're still going to remember who I am because I, I've created something that's going to last in the industry. And it it stands alone without social media, which is so smart and so important. I think that's great advice. So that's part one of Tamana's interview, guys. And I hope you'll tune in on Thursday for part two because Tamana dives in a little bit more about her business model. But what I found really interesting was she was really honest about a controversial moment she had when she was growing her brand that involved third parties. And I loved how she blended how motherhood has changed, how she um, responds in these situations and how she looks back and reflects on those times. So I hope you'll tune in and get a lot of insight from it. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please, please, please rate and review on iTunes. Me and my family appreciate that so much. And don't forget that we can continue the conversation over on Facebook on the MIP Insiders Facebook group. And I can't wait to talk to you guys on Thursday.